Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com, episode 12. Now we are into double digits, surging through double digits. Uh, happy to be with you guys here on a NFL owners meetings, uh, pre-Deontay Foreman Pro Day, and Las Vegas Raiders Day of news. The NFL keeps giving and giving and giving as far as things for us to talk about and how they relate to our fantasy football teams and our dynasty rosters. My name is Alex Dunlap. Here, of course, as always, with Byron Lambert. All of the content that we talk about here and the tools that we discuss can be found at rosterwatch.com. Some of them free, some of them with a pro membership, which costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. Also, one more bit of bookkeeping before we get started with this epic edition of the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, you like the podcast, please give us five stars in iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on Stitcher. Write a nice review. There's more and more of you guys listening. We need you to give us good reviews because we want to point at them and show advertisers and ask them to give us money. What do you think about that, Byron? Well, more money means that we can do more scouting. Does it mean more problems? means more products. <laughs> give us a good rating. It takes two seconds to give us five stars. Those are the kind of problems we're looking forward to having. <laughs> we said it yesterday on the SiriusXM show. This was going to be a landmark decision on par with free agency in the 90s, the merger in the 60s, and the advent of the forward pass. I'm not sure when that was. Maybe the 30s, 40s. We'll have to double check that one. <laughs> The Raiders approved 31-1 to at the owners' meeting for the move, the relocation to Las Vegas. We simply cannot think of any better marriage. It's an absolute match made in heaven, and I just love the well, we, fact— Here's the thing. We have, a, we have a lot of Roster Watch Nation who is Raider Nation. That's very clear, and a lot of them are going to be listening to this podcast, and we want to tell you guys— that for the fans in Oakland, we feel you know we feel bad, we feel awful for you. We know we have a lot of friends who, I mean, at least from gauging off our Twitter, we follow a bunch of Oakland people. Some of these fans seem a little on tilt about you know the Raiders leaving, you know, because they like having them there at their home city and stuff. But speaking from a perspective of observers of the league and just fans of the Raiders franchise and people who understand the Raider Nation is bigger than any one city. The Raider Nation is international. Exactly. Everybody knows that. Exactly. It's too sick. Las Vegas is an international <laughs> city. Yes. I can say this. I've only spent I've spent a very limited amount of time in Las Vegas in my life. I think I think it was sixty two hours to be exact. And it was a glorious, glorious sixty two hours. I can't hours. believe you haven't been to Vegas. But I more. can tell you I'm gonna be there a lot more often now. 
<laughs> I'm going to be there a lot more often now. This and, is a and match. And you know what? The city of Las Vegas loves hearing that. This is a match made in heaven. <laughs> and all I can think is that Al Davis is somewhere smiling on Mark Davis. This was such an Al Davis type move by Mark Davis. And it's got me fired up. It's got me very fired up. You just love seeing it. The Raiders is still the Raiders, man. They're still the Mavericks. They're still the ones that sort of, regardless of the, you know, whatever's happening on the field or whatever the on-field product is or anything like that, it seems like they're always the ones, you know, through the course of NFL history doing things, you know, as far as the owners kind of, um, stretching the limit a little bit, putting people on tilt with stuff and definitely with the Raiders now opening up a bit of, I mean, the centers will say opening up the Pandora's box of the sports gambling. The exact style that I appreciate and, uh, hey, I, hey, and man, identify it would, with. It wouldn't be roster watch if somebody wasn't on tilt. The 31 to one vote, the one dissenter is uh, Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross. His argument is that, uh, all these moves in such a short period of time not only sets a culture of this in the NFL moving forward, but big picture, the reshuffling of the deck is not good for, you know, NFL teams, NFL fans. And he said he owed communities. it to- And in an economics translation, what he said is that he, he equates uh, legacy with NFL teams as a form of utility. And in his mind, one that, apparently is more valuable than the money that they're, these owners are all going to be putting in their pocket. What does that mean? He views legacy. What legacy is one of There's utility? utility to legacy, to a legacy of an NFL franchise in a community, in a city. There's utility to that was his argument. There's value to it. So he dissented, but an overwhelming decision right now, the estimated date of arrival for the Raiders in Las Vegas is 2020. I don't believe that for one second. These the Chargers got to LA in Quit. they skedaddled less than a year. Hey, the Rams the, rolled right out of once town. You, yeah. Once you cut ties, it's like once you get a divorce or something like that, you say that you know probably you and your wife are going to ride out the lease, but that just probably never happens. Yeah, I don't. There's no way <laughs> I see them playing on that baseball field I, for I, two or three more seasons. No, there no. <laughs> Yeah, and do you know what now? Do you know what now? The kids coming up in the world now, during their formative years, I don't think they will have witnessed football at the NFL level that had a converted baseball field. That was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. For sure. Well, Might have been Stephen Ross was the... The penultimate. I guess I just, I mean, my my deal, I just had a couple questions about this that I don't know if you've even, like, thought about, like, do you think that they're allowed, to, like, the Raiders players are allowed to play casino games in their spare time? Are they allowed to go in casinos? Are players in the NFL that live in Colorado allowed to smoke weed? Well, that's different because isn't that because that's part of the drug policy? Is like, is there a gambling policy? I don't know. There may be some attachment to this approval that involves that kind of language. I'm not sure. What do What do you think about the? I retweeted. Seems I I don't know. To me, I don't have a problem with it. If I was the organization, I wouldn't. What if it's in the card room? It's by the sports book or something. Not don't have your players in the casinos. Are you telling me that these guys aren't going to have appearances in casinos and club obligations? All of their, all of the suite holders are all going to be, all going to be uh, hotels and hotels or casinos. 
resorts. Boy, what a lifestyle that's going to be. And well, did you see what I retweeted from TMZ, the report from uh, in the summer of 2016, that Club Sapphire, one of the biggest mega strip clubs. I don't go to strip clubs when I go to Vegas. We, I mean, we could talk about it some other time here on the podcast. I don't get any, speaking of utility, I don't get any utility out of strip clubs generally. But Sapphire, big one. And they are offering free lap dances and limo rides forever to Raiders. <laughs> it's a robust offer. I, it's a robust offer. And I tweeted, I, I, I said, look, man, I said, Derek Carr, now outside of club obligations and, and the such, that dude's not going to step foot in so much as a casino, much less a strip club. There are others, though. And, it- and, and, uh, and, and I retweeted what, um, oh, who was it, man? The tight end, the tight end that just retired. Real smart, uh, ben, Benjamin Watson, who said that, you know, the character's not determined by location, but he said certain locations more, test your character a lot more frequently. Well, this will be one of them. You know what? <laughs> teams have so made too. a team has made it in New Orleans for how many years now? Thirty years. I'm yeah. not saying it's the same, but boy, it's you near it's the a same, similar right? experience. You get to New Orleans about after about two or three days, you're ready to get the hell out of there, get home, and shower off everything that's happened since you've been there. Much like a trip to Las Vegas. Here, I guess you're right. They're going to be gambling in there. It is federally legal to be. Of age and gambling, I, I think they're going to be able to. They can just go play blackjack and stuff. I think they can't. Probably, uh, what, what does it matter? They if they're can't not, go in the sports book. I mean, they, they certainly can't go in the sports. I book. would imagine they just can't bet on NFL football. That's going to have to be in there somehow. I'm sure it. I'm sure it already is. That they can't bet on NFL football. So do you pretty think, interesting stuff? Do, do you think and this, very exciting? Yeah, I mean, I just, I honestly think. All right, let me just let me ask you this. How much does it do in because we hear we heard Goodell today say that the NFL's policy towards sports betting is still one of the league being against sports betting and the league needs the integrity of its product and the outcome of its game to be you know pure and it do, it needs to be above reproach and above questioning regarding that. Now, what the sinners to that will say is the only way to keep it. <laughs> above board and beyond reproach with relation to gambling, even right now would be to regulate it. You know, do you think that this is any kind of step in the direction of, I don't know. I mean, you know, like the NFL used to, the NFL didn't even used to recognize fantasy before UIGEA. Yeah. I'm most interested. Is there any trickle down effect here to fantasy to DFS? Not sure. Well, I think in DFS. Well, I just think in DFS. I think in DFS. I think well, not in Nevada, because they're going to have to go through the Nevada Gaming Commission to to do any kind of business there, and they're just not going to pay all their fees. I'm just going to say no way, and 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 you know the casinos are going to squash them. Like you're, we're. They're, well, they're I'd never just be interested to see there. if the if the NFL introduces any more language about gambling. If all of a sudden that language now includes. Any discussion of DFS? Well, I certainly hope not, because as an industry, we've tried to kind of distance ourselves from the ga- the gambling aspect of this. And it's, I mean, it's 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 true. It's, Let's I mean, be honest, Bob Kraft. These guys have vested interests in DFS. Oh sure, I mean, they're yeah. I mean, Bob Kraft, it, hell, Jerry Jones. Speaking of Bob Kraft, he's come out at the owners' meeting in Arizona and said that 
cornerback Malcolm Butler is not on the trade market. He, well, he didn't say that. He said, well, we sure hope we can keep him or something like something along those lines. He doesn't intend to trade him. Right. That's not the intention. Sounds either. like they haven't gotten the offer that they want quite yet from the Saints on that one. <laughs> Kraft also says that he envisions a Randy Moss-style impact from Brandon Cooks. Randy Moss so style. So that's what, well, see, and well, here's he's very thing. close. Him and Belichick spent a lot of time together. And think about how it was sold to him as an owner yeah. and who sold him. Belichick. And, and since if, when have you ever heard Kraft come out and say too many things like this? Belichick told him. Belichick told him. That's what he, that's. <laughs> that makes you feel sick. It sure does. Does that it make makes you more you feel interested sick. in Randy Cooks? I mean, I'm actually looking right now at the, at the, uh, at the skeleton of the MFL 10 sheet sheet that's going to be going up Which here. we said was the natural breaking point to start considering a Leonard Fournette. Or, or I'm kind of a Mark Ingram. Uh, I actually, I thought that we discussed getting Mark Ingram one above yeah, Fournette. Indeed. All right. But, that group. Uh, that group. Did I at this point does Brandon Cooks belong belong in PPR, in a, especially in a best ball for maybe a boomer bust guy like this? Does he belong above Sammy Watkins? Boy, it sure feels like it. It's close. It's close. I mean, Sammy Watkins just has Belichick. Such a, Belichick told Kraft he's going to be it's going to be a Randy Moss like effect, and th- and that's why we need to spend this money, this draft capital, everything. It's going to be Randy. He's ready to bomb it. He says that was a, a 50 touchdown Tom Brady season. That was the Captain America season. Yeah, we're going to move up Brandon Cooks. Uh, to, I, you, do you like him better than Alshon? Well, here's the thing about Cooks. Does he have, does he have less injury concerns than Sammy Watkins and Alshon? Yeah. I mean, those two, I think those two have... I mean, when you're hearing Randy Moss talking, the Sammy Patriots Watkins offense, you say has that's old- pretty high upside, and that's why we're excited right here. But it does feel like Alshon and Sammy have a more direct line to a real, you know, hog share of huge, huge potential upside in their. Well, I thought situation. you would say a real like hog shit season or something. A real no, shitty it's season. like I mean, I think that I think that both those guys, I could dude. How surprised would you be if we found out tomorrow that Sammy Watkins is out for the 2017 season? With Not a that surprised. Frank? Or that, um, or that Alshon Jeffrey comes into Eagles training camp and hurts a hamstring that, you know, they hope that he's back by the week four of the and preseason. And do you want Tyrod Taylor and Carson Wentz? I mean, I th- although we think those are both good fits in those respective situations, it's a close I think one. What, it's a little bit of a pick-your-own-flavor, and the ADP is certainly going to come into play here well, here's, but here's our, what we do. our stock leave is certainly rising on brandon cooks with every day that passes yeah he's already been moved up one spot in the skeleton the cheat sheet and for the our, our pro members who are still waiting on that thing to get done we just don't want to put it out until we've tested it just a few more times we'll certainly listen to y'all's feedback as well but you just have to understand that there is a method to the madness here and there's always a lot of questions about it but there's just a whole lot of stuff baked in so we're still working on it it's going to be a sick product just like all of our products always are you can find them at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership it is it is cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee simple to sign up and it's a great way to support us through our maniacal off-season endeavors who do you think has a better chance of 1500 yards and 12 touchdowns sammy watkins Alshon Jeffrey or Brandon Cooks? Man, as a Sammy Watkins dynasty owner, it pains me to say that that is like, it seems like such a one-outer. Like, I, that I, feels far-fetched yes. at this point. 
It, it just does. It seems like it, it's gonna. He's he always just has such a hard time staying healthy. We need maybe we need to remind ourselves of what his game logs were looking like last year. Let me get a look at that here. Yeah, I mean, it could, I can use a reminder. There, there, he went bananas. There was the some the, going big, right? There was some going big. Well, that's that. That's the problem. Is we just have, so he wasn't even in the top. Well, he how many he missed what two thirds three quarters of the season last year? I don't. I I've, tr- I've I've tried to put it out of my games. I've tried to put games. it out of my. He memory. played eight games. He was finished receiver eighty seven. But what about in points per game? What did he finish? So, well, it was. I'll go back and look. It was pathetic. He had in week six. So what we know is he was never healthy early in the season when he tried to play. wasn't healthy. Came back in week twelve. Early, still wasn't healthy. So it wasn't until the end of the season that he was getting a little more his few healthy. Kept, he kept saying that stuff about how his foot felt tired. In week 14, he had six targets for 54 yards and a touchdown, 11.4-pointer in standard. Week 15 was a pathetic, abysmal one-pointer. Week 16, he went for 10 targets, 154 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's the Sammy Watkins we know. Yes. The, the one targets, where, 154 yards. Well, the one that – I forget this stat, and I, it's going to sound so bad, but there was a stat that we had that we used to talk about that why don't you feed Sammy Watkins the football with some, some kind of uh, per-target stat on Sammy Watkins. That oh, it's just his quite, points per target. Yeah, it's just, it's like, just why astronomical. Not just, why, not just, why not just feed And him? that's why we asked us Ryan, and he said that's what his plan was because if you go to the end of – 2015 see this is what gets you excited is i mean 2015 was pretty good let's see three nine or ten out of looks like he missed a couple games nine or ten out of 14 games were double digit points in standard and i mean week nine was a 23 pointer week 12 was a 28 pointer Week thirteen was a seventeen pointer. He's one of the best prospects. Week fourteen I've is a fourteen with pointer. My own two eyes. Week fifteen was a twenty-three pointer, and week seventeen was a thirteen pointer. Yeah, I mean it's mega upside. Mega, like I said, he's one of the best prospects I've ever seen with my own two but eyes. If you're goosey on him, I'm fine. I'm definitely fine with Cooks at this point. Same with Alshon. That's 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 a that's gonna. I be think an you hear about the Randy Moss like effect. You think about what he what Belichick gave up. You think about the fact that he never does this. You think about how we've talked about it, how we are just in, tr- we are, what, what is it? We're just like very fascinated, int- fascinated with Belichick's by his fascination. fascination. Yeah. The, the Randy Moss thing. It's always compelling. The Randy Moss thing came straight from Belichick. Yeah, though, come on. Him and Kraft are boys. Yeah, him and Kraft are definitely boys. Well, that's interesting. That's very, very interesting. I, 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 it's schematically, you've got to imagine. But that's what we told you. We told you that we've never seen Belichick get this excited to where he'd want to trade something like that for a player like this. And we said that it, clearly, to, in our minds, it came down, boiled down the fact that he had concocted the idea and notion that schematically, even if the production doesn't go bananas, schematically, this is a game changer for the Patriots offense. Going to be exciting to see the New York Jets former center Nick Mangold and star stalwart. I mean, an all pro he, the giants are poking around him in an effort to continue improving that offensive line. Be interesting to see for the jets to finally release him. And you wonder if somebody like Mangold is maybe falling off a cliff. We'd have to go track his uh, performance from lat from the last couple of years. But boy, that seems like a nice free agent ad for somebody. Nick Mangold. 
Those yeah. guys can play center and guard for a long time. They're gonna take a they're gonna take a running they're gonna take one of these running backs in the second round. They're gonna take a Deontay Foreman or a Joe Mixon I can see or Foreman something up like. There. No, they won't take a Mixon. I think they've already. I have forget they already what, addressed that? There was there's a I, beat writers up there to, it doesn't to have to be it it, it it doesn't have to be a Mixon. Just you know what I'm saying something. Somebody like a somebody like a Deontay, maybe a Jamal Williams, one of these guys. If they don't, I will just feel like I have just escaped. You know, I like I've escaped from Alcatraz or something. Just completely overcome the odds as a Paul Perkins dynasty owner because I personally have just given up the ghost on him coming into next season there for the New York Giants and having his bigger role as we'd hoped, like a role with upside for maybe. I don't know, like sickest expectations, 17, 18 touches a game. Uh, you know, we loved Perkins so much as a prospect, but there were times just down the stretch during the 2016 season where it just started looking like maybe he wasn't just, he didn't really look like a guy who was going to, um, I just never saw him flash the way that I would really wanted to, except for that one big play on the reception. Well, I, I I saw him flash a lot of skills. I just didn't see a guy who looked like a workhorse. No, and we never said he could be a workhorse, but I mean... Yeah, but when you're hoping for maybe some kind of poor man's Devontae Freeman, the reason yeah. that worked out is because Freeman was able to be He's kind, of a, kind of a workhorse. Yeah. I mean, if it's just going to be a look, situational Paul player, didn't look like, it's no good. Paul Burgess didn't look like Devontae Freeman this year. You know, or Paul, Paul Burgess 2016 didn't look like Devontae Freeman and, and if you went back and but, watched his college tape, you would have thought maybe there's a chance he could, you know, he, he would have been considered a similar prospect to Freeman coming out. Oh, certainly. I mean, he was able to run between the tackles. He just, uh, and he still might be able to. I'm just, I'm not well, as. It seems like the Giants like him. I know, and it seemed, and it's just all been surprising to me because I thought that I just—I guess I'd come into this offseason with the expectation that they, you know, that maybe it could be the arrow pointing a little bit down for Paul Perkins, despite the fact that he seems to be coming into a, a little bit better situation with no with no Rashad Jennings. I, th- I feel like the arrow's turning back up. If the, I love it if the worm is starting to turn with Paul Perkins, and you know, it may have been that they saw in practice. A guy that can do the things that maybe we didn't see. Just may, it could have been situational in the games. It could have been shitty interior run blocking. And well, I like, mean, that's their what they're trying to improve. Sniffing around with Mangold is the well, interior well, of the offensive well, that's line. That's how they and and that's also and that, that's where he failed is whenever it was shitty blocking and he, he was having to pick these big lines, big uh, linemen up, you know, and these like big on big protections, and he's having to take these guys on just head up, like up the middle. Like he's not going to be look like a good pass protector like that. Pass protecting was something that he was going to have to work on anyway. Uh, Mike Wells of ESPN uh, conjects. Is that a word? Conject? Conjecture is a word. It creates fake news. No, I think this one is is legitimate. As we've we talked about this on the last last podcast, that Philip Dorsett's job is potentially at stakes and or up for grabs with Kamar Aiken now in the fold. Hey, so he's conge- he listens to his roster watch. Always about a week ahead on these I days. swear to God we are. I'm so, but I, I'm glad that our nation is growing. Because they get to witness it. Live and in person. They'll hear something on this podcast this week that next week they'll see in the MSM. Anyways, that's, I mean, that's a concern. That's a concern. What's wrong with Philip Dorsett? 
He one, should be good. He should be fantastic. He's one of the best that we've ever seen at the Senior Bowl. But here's the thing. From that Senior Bowl, you got to think back and wonder, could it be some kind of comparative bias? Because maybe it was a down, more down year that year for wide receivers. When you look back and you see that Jordan Matthews has turned out to be, I mean, not, not very good. In my a opinion. competent NFL receiver. The receivers at the Senior Bowl have been bad over the years. In general. Been They've been bad. This year was a good crop. Good. Josh Reynolds, Zay Jones, Cooper Oh, Cup, yeah, great. It was the best Ryan we've seen. Switzer. Yes, yes. Uh, they've been, Taewon they, they've Taylor. some good ones. There's been the Marvin Joneses. There's been... Um, I mean, there's... Just trying to think. There's been others, man. I mean, Geron, I, I guess it's not, not been Geronimo good. Geronimo Allison, Aaron Dobson. Dobson. No, oh, we're, we're, we're leaving some of these guys Oh, we're out. leaving a bunch out, but I'm just... Quint- oh, Sammy Coates. Quentin Patton. Quentin Patton. It hadn't been that good. That's a tough position for some reason to be able to recruit at the Senior Bowl. This year, they did a terrific job. There's got to be Philip Dorsett was sick. He was sick. He looked really, really good. The guy can catch the ball. I don't know what's going on. I'll tell you what, though. I think that the Kamar Aiken thing can – I think that it could swindle Dante Moncrief as well. It's got, they've gotten better. They've gotten better with the receivers every year because it was the since Phil Savage has been there, the receivers have gotten better. All arrows continue to point towards T.Y. Hilton, and I think they continue to point towards Andrew Luck. Yes. I'll be very, very interested to see where Andrew Luck's ADP falls in redraft come August because right now I'm, I'm very interested in Andrew Luck. Well, very, very interested in Andrew Luck. It's just, it's just different right now in MFL. And improving off people, offensive line, a year back, completely healthy. It feels like there's more stability within the organization. Just when everybody's sleeping on the guy, uh, when he's asleep. I'm hoping people are sleeping on him. I'm hoping he's somehow not the second guy off the board behind Aaron Rodgers or something. He's usually a top four guy off. He's the second guy off. All right, let me ask you this: Who do you want more? If you're, it looks like we're going to have his eighty in the MFL tens, and I and I realize MFL tens isn't really the same as redraft, but it's kind of the same. We start getting ideas from I think ADP. It's it a good idea with the quarterbacks. Um, and so, if you look at the, uh, if you look at his, let me just see if I can pull it up. If you're looking at his ADP. Right now, somewhere around like well, it's it's actually much as usual, much higher just on fantasy pros than it is on my fantasy league. Because on my fantasy league, you have guys that are dynasty league players who are more hardcore players who are generally the types that wait on quarterbacks, you know, just in general. But um, Andrew Luck, the my fantasy league ADP, anywhere between like it's been fluctuating like fifties, fifties. So people are waiting around. Yeah, people are waiting, and he's going in the mid fifth. That's a good pick. That's a good right, pick. So Even so in redraft, who would you rather pick. have at that spot? Or let's just say late. Let's just say it's the late fifth. I'm giving you a scenario here from the actual skeleton of the cheat sheet. This week, at some point this week, that will be available to pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. I think this means in in Brandon Marshall. Or Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck. Tyreek Hill or Andrew Luck? Probably Andrew Luck. Larry Fitzgerald. Andrew Luck. 
he's a safe bet there. And I'll tell you what this means is in competitive leagues, which this is a reflection of competitive players. So would obviously. you take Aaron? So I mean, he we, might so be wait, a sixth round pick in some leagues wait, this year. Would you, would you take, would you basically take him around the same time that you would start to pull the trigger on an Aaron, on an Aaron Rodgers? Probably just based on positional value opportunity. Because cost, honestly, scarcity. I am not t- like until I get up. So after that, there's another tier of running backs, people who use the cheat sheet, know what I'm saying. And then there's a long tier of wide receivers Aaron Rodgers is up in that next tier up of wide receivers. Like you can, I have, you know, we we have it baked into where you could pick between. If an Aaron Rodgers fell to you at about the same time you're thinking about taking a Terrell Pryor or a Jarvis Landry, you might be able to think about an Aaron Rodgers yeah, oh, you're, yeah. because you're getting him at significant value oh, there. Yeah. You think Andrew Luck belongs up there, yeah. or do you think he's right in the tier that I'm talking, the Fitzgerald Tyreek Hill kind of tier? I mean, it sounds all pretty similar tier to me. I mean, are, do you feel like you're making a big decision this? between Jarvis Andrew Landry and Tyreek Hill? Andrew Luck versus Tevin Coleman. Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> and you're getting value on both. That's a tough Probably one. Probably this me. would be like a fifth round pick, fifth 504, something like that. Tevin Coleman. What if it was at 509? I'm going to take Tevin Coleman over Andrew Luck. By the time ADPs get where there should how about, be, that's how about, what I'm going to do. How about Andrew Luck or Isaiah Crowell? Luck all day. Okay, so I think I need. I think all I know exactly day. where I need to move him. You need to have a decision in your MFL tens between Isaiah Crowell, Emmanuel Sanders, and Andrew Luck. Oh, if you no, if you no have all three there available, for me. you think there's you think there's a big difference between thinking about a Jarvis Landry and a Tyree Kill? Just listening to what you were. Yeah, I just plowing well, through I there. I mean, like our formula, like this, like this stuff's based on volume, and you got to no, factor Landry in some has of big the, volume. You got to. You just got to. You got to factor in the fact that I mean we know we're expecting more touches out of Tyree Kill, but the fact was he he so outproduced what any reasonable expectation was for him. You know, last season it, it feels it, like even if Andy Reid is able to get him more touches as he speculates he'd like to, that you're not even you're not sure the total fantasy production can can even go up that much because the touchdowns were so big last year. Yes, and, and I mean just. I guess Jar. I mean Jarvis. It should be noted that Jarvis is at the bottom of that tier, and that Tyreek is at the very top of the tier below him. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a decision. A lot of people are going to be making a couple, couple more tidbits here before we get to the item that has us on the biggest amount of tilt for the day. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, Cleveland's Tony Grossi. Oh God. <laughs> More than should I stop there? <laughs> should I stop there? Hey, no, I, I, I gotta hear it. Speculates that the Browns are gonna make another run uh, at Jimmy Garoppolo this week during the owners' meetings. Get those clicks up. What? So, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna let, let me pull up my, um, my, my? I mean, the Patriots draft do- order here, and I think they have the one and the twelve. So, are they just gonna? Or, I mean, what to are they this, gonna- to, it seems to me. The obvious thing is that this is going to be for. There's no discussion here unless we're talking a first round pick. Everybody knows that by this point, right? And so So they've already. Everybody knows that it can be had for the 12 pick. I think the Patriots are holding out to see if they can get a last minute deal for the number one overall pick. I don't think that. What if the Patriots got got Miles Garrett? I'm not. Do you think they take the player? The Patriots kind of team might take that pick and then trade it. 
They wouldn't. I think he would. Never I, seen I it. think Belichick's in the mood to get sick this year. He is. You know, we said he looks like he's been feeling pretty spry lately. He does. That fifth man. title really did something. Did for him. something to a, him. Gave him it was a gave, special tonic. Gave gave him a shot of something. I so why not have it for twelve? Have they already turned down twelve? I know. I think that ultimately that's where they'll settle. But why? You know, it's the it's it's the art of the deal. I mean, the fact is, I think that's a fair deal. Good right? good deals don't get consummated until the eleventh hour. That's just. The way that it works, that's the nature of negotiations. Nobody puts their best offer forth until, you know, until they have to. So every they they know twelve bet, is already. That's where this thing's going to end up. Is and I don't. I've Patriots, always thought that that's the most reasonable. Yeah, and Why the Patriots aren't going to be able to pass on the twelfth pick. They're going to ship Garoppolo for the twelfth pick. I mean, it didn't work with Mallet. Who did it work with before that? It worked with uh, Matt. Was it Matt, Matt Castle? Castle? A little bit. Didn't work with Mallet. Could really finally the strategy could pay off here with Garoppolo. What about Hoyer? Don't think it worked. I feel like one of those guys they got something for for, and that's what kept them doing it with Ryan Mallet. But that mm-hmm. one didn't work out. Patriots have that's that's a business harvesting they've been in for a long harvesting time. off these Brady understudies. Exactly. Yeah. And parlaying them into future draft picks, which they view as gold, uh, that draft capital. So I foresee in my crystal ball, Jimmy Garoppolo for the 12th pick in the draft. But I think the Patriots are trying to put the squeeze on for the number one overall pick. Maybe so. Let's see here. A couple more things. One of our favorites from a couple drafts ago. We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast and or the SiriusXM show is that uh, there's an undercurrent with the plight and the shortage of supply for quarterbacks. There's an undercurrent um, among NFL teams that are in need uh, to target A.J. McCarron of the Cincinnati Bengals. We've been talking – I was I, – I, I, man, I even asked about that. I asked Duke Tobin about that at the Combine. I said, you opened it, you opened it here in trades, trade offers for A.J. McCarron? He's like, man, my phone works. He said, but hey, if you're going to come here, you're going to find out real quick how much, just how much we value him. We AJ love AJ McCarron. Is a good player. He said, he said that we, he said we value AJ McCarron and he plays an important role for us. And that role is backup quarterback. And if you look around the league right now, it, it, what happens if your starting quarterback goes down? I don't think it takes a genius to, to see all the teams that their season was shipwrecked, you know, last year. And we feel like in AJ McCarron, we have insurance against that. You know, so people if they call us about AJ McCarron, yes, my phone lines are open, but you're I, I think his exact quote was, you're gonna find out real quick just how much we value him. Yeah, and I'm not which, sold which, I'm not sold which, that which AJ McCarron too. That's exactly what it means. And I'm not sold that AJ McCarron still couldn't potentially be better than Andy Dalton at some point. I'm not saying that's in the Bengals' plans. AJ McCarron. I like AJ McCarron. He's a good quarterback. He should have. He should. He should have competed at the Senior Bowl. I'll tell you what. It would have been. If, if, if Mike it, Lennon it, got. It would have been a zoo. If he's Mike from there. Lennon got fourteen, fifteen million. Is AJ McCarron in line for that kind of money when he hits free agency? Of course he is, man. They're printing it. That's a guy I'm excited to see get an opportunity. Yeah, right. I am too. I always, I always come. Where do we see him? Oh, it, I think we saw him at the combine and at Alabama Pro Day. Should we get to the thing that's getting us on a huge amount of tilt? Putting it our wouldn't hair be, on it fire wouldn't today? be roster watch if somebody wasn't on tilt. 
My God, the Washington. Before, before we get to it, the Washington. Oh God, before we get to it, uh, please. Go to rosterwatch.com. Get a pro membership. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, give us five stars. Give us a good review. It's how we can see your feedback. We see that more and more of you are listening. We certainly appreciate it, but we appreciate more your feedback by giving us five stars and giving us a good review uh, for the podcast there on iTunes. Also, a thumbs up on Stitcher. You can find all of our pro content at rosterwatch.com. And now for us to officially get on tilt, the Washington Redskins. Creating so much cognitive dissonance within my mind today uh, with the rumors that they're poking around on the black anaconda, Josh Gordon. And it's cognitive dissonance because it hurts to, to feel this sick. And it, and it hurts. It hurts because we've loved the Josh Gordon, the black anaconda, since his days of sipping syrup just up the road in Waco. Oh, passing out in Taco Bell parking lots right up the road. We've always thought he's the sickest, and he slithers in, and he suffocates our fantasy opponents. Deep in the fourth quarter. Deep in the fourth quarter. Do you know that they have discovered uh, that pythons and constrictors uh, don't eliminate their prey by, um, uh, by, by, by uh, crushing their lungs and restricting their breathing. That's they don't die by suffocation. What do they die by? They've actually found out that um prey of of those large uh constrictors die from their heart stop because the the blood pressure gets so high. Your blood pressure inside your body? Yeah, your blood pressure gets so and the and they said that the reason that they do it is because when they put when they put that squeeze on, it raises the blood pressure internally for their prey so high that it makes their stop their heart stop. And there's the reason is is they said it's actually a a, a quicker death because an animal can uh, live without oxygen for quite a while, and I think they were saying it reduces the harm of potential injury to the snake itself. There's a couple. Th- this has just been scientifically discovered. I think that grown men that play with snakes are huge dirt balls. Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman, a class A example. And if he, if there are these constrictors that can do that to you, I say get them out of my house. If you work with snakes, what we've always said, you're fine with us. If you play with snakes, you're a huge creep. You really are. I don't I don't know a single person that's normal that owns a snake. What like would you could you imagine if you're like you know, your daughter started dating some dude who has pet snakes? Well, I bet these are the things snakes. you're starting to have to imagine. <laughs> I don't want to have to imagine things like that. Not if Uncle Byron has anything to do with no, it. No, no, no. Uh so nonetheless, you've got that we love Josh Gordon. And what what could I ever think of that we love more than him with our gunslinger golden child Kirk Cousins tossing around with him, but it hurts so bad in Dynasty. Because of our love, our affinity for Josh, Josh Dawson. They must hate him. They brought in Brian Quick, Terrell Pryor, and now they're sniffing around Josh Gordon. And some of our friends on Twitter, uh, our followers there, at Roster Watch. Give us a follow there if you're not already, by the way. They're tweeting us, and they're, they're Redskins fans or Browns fans or whoever, and they're saying, like, yeah, this, re- this report is about as believable as the 
as actually uh, the, the aforementioned report from Tony Grossi. <laughs> so they, some of them didn't think that, you know, it was necessarily sourced that well. I don't know. I, I, I think that it's probably, hey, man, if it's, if it's floating out around there that they contacted him, then they probably contacted him. I expect a handful of teams to be contacted. We talked about it in the last podcast or on the Sirius show. So I've been keeping up with my Josh Doxson news very close. <laughs> of course. And and let's just reframe this. I mean, this this hurts bad because it's got us on big tilt because we are aspirations for Josh Doxson. We're through the roof. And you guys are going to see when he is gets his chance, the guy's a badass. He is a wait sick. To, just wait till you see it. He is a filthy Sick He's wide receiver. You're we're AJ Green upside. This is just derailing the path that we'd envisioned, the direct line that we'd envisioned um, to that production. But it does cast some uncertainty on the situation, and it makes you wonder. So, a couple of statements that have come out. So, Bruce Allen, I, de facto GM with Scott McLuhan, having been excommunicated from the group. Uh, the the um, the triumvirate up there in Washington, and he says, "Look, we lo- he loved Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson inside and outside the locker room." He said, "We just lost two thousand yards of re- of receiving production. We just brought in Terrell Pryor and Brian Quick. That gets us sixteen hundred yards." I mean, I think this is a, a little bit of a strange, oversimplified way of thinking about it. But that gets us sixteen hundred yards. So we're going to need something from Doxson. And he went on to say that he did not regret McLuhan drafting Doxson, that it was that it was certainly in line with the strategy he's going to continue to employ this year in the draft, which is to take the best player available. And he basically said, look, we got to restock the depth chart. Now, if you look to Jay Gruden's comments at the Combine or shortly after the Combine, I mean, he sounds really nothing less than short of thrilled about uh, – his expectations for Josh Doxson this year, saying he expects him to be a huge, huge part of the offense and that he is getting healthy. Um, so it feels like they've, you know, even Jay Gruden has seen this as a very, very talented guy. Um, of course he's seen but it. This, been does, practice. this does make you wonder. I mean, it does feel like because even Doxson came out recently and said, it's now or never. I got to get healthy. My opportunity's here. How messed Something up is his Achilles Something has been still? overly nagging about this injury, and that's where the question marks loom. That's where the uncertainty is loom. It's starting to sound a like little said, like Brashad Perriman. Look, Don't tell me that. Look, the Redskins have no outside receivers right now. They All they have is Jamison Crowder. So... On the surface, it hurts badly for Doxson. We thought we were going to be ripe and flush with well, opportunity. Well, they do have outside receivers now. But well, I'm just didn't. saying prior to this, you prior didn't have a Terrell Pryor. You didn't have a Brian Quick. You didn't have these guys. So, you know, they're, they're still, they still are just filling out a basic depth chart. So there potentially is still a lot of opportunity here. You just get concerned because of the mold of player they're signing. And then just the discussions of Josh Gordon. And I the other interesting blurb I saw was Santana Moss – actually who you were giving me John Ross comparisons for earlier. I was just asking what you thought about that comp. I saw somebody say it. I'm starting to think that John Ross is a nuclear hybrid between Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill with a little dash of Odell Beckham, but I certainly... Which would make him basically the sickest player ever. I certainly think Santana Moss fits right into that group of players. Right. He's that kind of guy, yeah. Yeah. 
Woo, God, John Ross is a freak, man. <laughs> uh, boy, it got me distracted. So oh, so Doxon. Oh, so Santana Moss said, and he's a you know he was a longtime Redskins receiver, and he's a close observer of the team. I think he does local radio. Oh God, I'm sure. And he said he's kind of had to be a Josh Doxon defender with all the you know the all the um, antsy fans calling in saying we need contributions, this this and that, and it's a flop and all these things and a huge disappointment. And you know it's only been one year, but he the comment I thought was interesting. He says he says I've, I've been telling Josh or I want Josh to just be himself and he kind of went on to explain look i was in a similar position i was a high first round draft pick expected to contribute right away i got hurt missed the 13 first 13 games of my rookie year they threw me back in the fire in week 14 i was hell i was not injured anymore but i wasn't in football shape and it was abysmal and i think what he was saying is you get low on yourself you get down on yourself and um that concerns me a little bit that there, what if there's some truth to that? You think Josh Doxson has gotten down on himself? You a little bit? Oh, you're, oh, you're concerned that he could he's showing signs of mental weakness. That that statement raises that possibility. If Santana Moss is as close to the team as he might be, and you know how they let these ex players in the media oh, you know around he's close the, team. To the team, he's been yeah. he was Daniel Snyder <laughs> wrote him paychecks for years. Yeah, he has full access. Much better access than the much better access than some dude at the uh, you know. Than our, say like our boy Master. I'm looking up here about these snakes. It's actually <laughs> people around here gonna start thinking we their arterial pressures plummet and their venous pressures soar and their blood vessels close. You know what I was interested. Do you know what I was interested to hear that I you know just speaking of like snakes and nature and it's just completely off topic. But how interested would you be in going on a hunt for a mountain lion? Well, I like the fact that they take them with the take the dogs. It's a dog. A tree it's a dogs. Dog I mean, that's and and you're not usually. I mean, I I guess you're talking about going and shooting one. I don't want to shoot a mountain lion at all. Well, here's the thing: apex predators. I have no interest in killing. Well, here's the thing: they're like they're selling tags to where they you know they have they're going to kill some anyway. And people say that that meat, cougar meat, um, or, you know, uh, wild um, wild mountain lion meat is the best wild game meat that there is. Well, that's interesting. I, I was hadn't listening heard that. To, I mean, if, I was it's, listening if, to if Steve I can Ren- eat it, I'm I, usually on I was listening to Steve, Steve Rinella's podcast the other day, the, uh, the Meat Eater podcast. Oh, I can't wait to start and listening to that. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic pod. You guys would, you guys would love it if you're into uh, hunting and fishing. But he was saying that, yeah, like one of the guys who is on his team or whatever that helps him shoot the, the TV show was saying that, you know he's a he's he's like a he's like a mountain lion hunter and a uh, he he's a what do you call it like a a houndsman he he trains these guys to track them and he just said that the meat is the best meat that there is and Ronella and all the other guys agreed they said it is man there's nothing like it so does that well, change your does, does that change your mind about it at all basically what it is is you got basically what it is is you gotta you gotta get on the track. You got to let the dogs after it. Generally, they're not going to turn up anything, but you can, you know, it's just like, it's like tracking this animal. You got to walk around all day trying to track the animal. 
I mean, the dogs get miles what, away from you. Yeah. A couple well, you, miles. You, you got to put GPS on them. And sometimes they get off on wild goose chases, so you got to go get one and bring it back and see if the other one. But the GPS will tell you if they've treated a, treat a lion. Like, it'll tell you because it'll tell you the frequency of the barks, and you know the frequency of the barks when they treat a lion. They'll also be sitting in the same spot, so the, the, the GPS will tell you that they have a lion treed, so you got to get to where he is. When, when, once you get there, I guess what, you just, you just shoot the lion out of the tree? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good game meat out there. I'm, I just, I'm not, doesn't change my mind. This puts it up for reconsideration, but what an animal. Hey, let me ask you this. What do you think, just before we, like, just let, let's get it on the record. What do you think Deontay Foreman needs to run at his Texas Pro Day to kind of get him back on the map and get him back in the conversation? Four or five, and anything under that, even four, four, nine. Anything under four five, even if it's a tenth of a second, for some reason makes a huge difference. But four five is what he needs to run. What do you think, Deontay Foreman, the Doak Walker Award winner at Texas? He, he went over for two. He went over two thousand yards this season without even having a bowl game and being held out of the one of the cupcake games on Texas schedule, uh, UTEP, where he would have just gone bananas for probably two hundred more yards. Still went over two thousand yards. Broke all of Ricky Williams and Earl Campbell's all-time records at Texas, or single-season records at Texas. Deontay had an absolute monster. People, I mean, it seems like people are just kind of forgetting how, how, how sick Deontay Foreman is. What does he need to do, do you think, to get into the first round? What kind of number in his 40 would he have to run to say, I think Deontay Foreman's going first yeah, round? I think he's got to go sub 4-5, and I think he's got to have good meetings, team meetings with team officials. I mean, I, I'm starting to come back to your side. This could be a four. Alex has some kind of wager on this. This is feels like it's shifting back to maybe four running backs in the first round. And if you start thinking about the Christian McCaffrey's, the Alvin Kamara, it feels like the McCaffrey's really moved back into first round. These coaches and GMs in the NFL love the kid. He's tested well. I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey. Well, what, what Byron was saying was he's coming back around to my initial thought that it in my initial bet that I have um, on Twitter that I got a little bit of odds on but not the best odds but it's basically I got it you know I win if it's four if it's four running backs in the first round we'll see I just, do you think if all right let's say Deontay Foreman I'm not saying that this is going to happen who, who knows what he's going to run I'm hearing he's going to run it pretty fast I think that sub four or five on a hand time is probably going to happen what if he ran a like a say a four four three? Yeah, that's a game changer. Like that's, that's Adrian Peterson. There's a difference between sub four four five and sub four five. You know, four four eight is one thing. Four four two is so so it's a little another. little different animal. It's a little different animal. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We're, we'll, for all of our pro members, we'll have uh, the videos from all of Deontay Foreman's drills up in the subscriber section or just like in the download section right there on the front page at rosterwatch.com. It's going to be in the same video library of raw footage that you can access all the pro day tour, you know, stuff. I mean, going all the way back to the Odell, I mean, yeah, Odell Beckham that year, like all those guys. And what was so, it about Foreman's build that surprised me when I saw him live and in person at the combine? Does he not look as big as... He doesn't look like a 230-plus pounder, does he? No, because... Is he like, dense? Well, you know, him and his brother him and his brother kind of look like their bodies are alike, and his brother plays wide receiver. So I just think that it's kind of like he's got some kind of long arms on him. He's got big hands. He's just, uh, you know, he's probably... 
you know, people think that Deontay Foreman's like a big back, but he's really, I mean, he's he's got pull away, nasty speed. I think he's going to show a lot of people at his pro day. I've personally got a time on him, you know, coming out of high school that was that was sub four or five that was on my own hand time at a at a um, at a at a Texas you know high school recruiting uh, combine. Do you think he's he faster at. now than he was coming out of high school, or do you think he's put on weight? He's, he's put on like 15 pounds, but I he mean, might I, be faster. Too. He might be faster too. I'm saying, I think he's going to surprise people with this 40. Who knows? By the time this podcast is up and people are listening, you know, he will have already run his 40 and you know, it could be something like a, you know, I think people would be happy with anything sub four, six. I think he might go sub four five. Wait. So let me circle back. I'm starting to think, is this, I, I we're so invested in Josh Dawson. Is this time for roster watch nation to double down on Josh Dawson and buy him for even cheaper? Buy more shares of Dachshund for even cheaper to buy it. Kind of bring down our average investment in Dachshund. I like the idea of it. I mean, in MFL 10s, I've had to, I mean, in MFL 10s, I'm going to have to maybe move him down a, a little bit, I think. Like, say With you the most make a bet. News. Say you make, but I think in Dynasty, I love the idea. Say you make a sports bet, and like the line is like, you know, plus five. Yeah, and then say you like the next day, you know, the, the game's about to kick off, and right before game time, it's like plus eight. I mean, you need to double down on that. Well, right, because well, yeah, you need to double. Be, you logic double would dictate you, you got to double hedge, down. You got to cover yourself. Well, no, it's just like if you didn't like him, if you didn't like him at, if you didn't, if you liked him at plus five. Then you really like him at plus like, eight. Like, what are you doing? Like, a better there's a better opportunity here. Like, that's assuming that you have unlimited resources that you could bet into. Like, maybe your bank rolls a certain thing that you already got at plus five, and you're like, damn. Well, there's also a chance I you can cover anymore. your ass in case they don't. In case you know what I mean. In case they don't cover the five, but they cover the eight. What I'm saying is, right. this is a good time to get to circle back instead of just getting back in on Josh Dawson at even lower at an even lower price. Maybe let's see what happens with the Josh Gordon stuff. All right, so what is so this will be how we end the podcast. What is the price on Josh Dawson? Boy, it feels like it's a in this year's rookie draft, it feels like it's a second or maybe a third with some kind of other something else small tossed in there. If you can get a second if you can get Josh Dawson for a later second round, here's the thing. I I think I can get Zay Jones with my early second. So I'm not going to say 2.01, 2.02. Just because we don't know where Zay Jones is going to be. Yet. I think Zay is going to fall somewhere in there. And he's very sick. And he's too, too sick. I say a late second round pick right now for Josh Dawson. We would get that deal done. Certainly a third round pick in traditional rookie dynasty drafts. It has been Byron Lambert. It has been Alex Dunlap. This has been episode 12 of the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. Go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. Unlock all of our premium tools there at rosterwatch.com. Also, Please, if you love the podcast, give us five stars, give us a good rating, give us a good review, a thumbs up in Stitcher. As always, you can find all of the podcasts, the entire library at rosterwatch.com backslash podcast. Again, for Byron Lambert, I am Alex Dunlap. This has been the Roster Watch Podcast. We will see you next time. <laughs>